0: Well, Welcome back and thank you for joining us again today. I'm here with Bill Bowers as we continue the conversation around the fully devoted Bride of Christ. Last episode, we spoke on the current condition of the church, its people, and its leaders. Uh, we spoke about the reality of COVID and how that has really exposed and revealed some of the shortcomings of the church Things Bill has already, Bill and myself have already been exploring and experiencing for a few years now, but uh, COVID has really brought some of those deeper issues to the surface that need to be addressed. And um, so last week was really about trying to figure out where we are, the current condition of the church. And this week we're going to kind of explore about why are we here and, and you know how how did we get here? Um, so that's kind of today's episode. First, want to check in with Bill. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here again. Good, good. Excited to talk about um, things with the church today. Well, yeah, that's my kind of first question, as we talked about the current state of affairs last week, and that the church is really um, not, I mean, for a short sentence, they're not making disciples. And the witness to the church is very bleak as far as uh, the way people that aren't in the church view um, those that are in, even the infighting. We look no different, really, in the general sense, um, as the rest of the world. But first question is, you know, how did how did we get here? Uh, what's your, what's your yeah. thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've only been around for a certain amount of
1: decades, uh, <laughs> a unnumbered amount at this point I'm going to share. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, how we got here. I think it was obviously over a long course of time. I, you know, I'm not, and I'm no church historian, so I don't pretend to be. I just look at the kind of simple outline of what we've seen happen over the last 40, 50 years. And then going back to uh, Tozer is one of my favorite guys back in the fifties and sixties. And, and back then there was a boom in the church and church growth was happening even after the second world war and and growing and in some of Tozer's writing back then he pointed out that people were coming to the church in a different mindset they were coming more in the consumer mindset and uh, I'll read a quote out of one of his books it says uh, a new wave of religious interest will do no more than add numbers to the churches that have no intention to own the lordship of Jesus and come under obedience to his commands and there was this move where people began to come in, and and I think you know some of it you can trace to the idea again of um, inviting Jesus to be part of our life, or surrendering and giving our life to him. And so uh, the idea that people were coming to church with no intent of surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. And so we even have this language, we talk about accepting Jesus as Savior, and accepting Jesus as Lord, which is kind of real like in my life there was 10 years between the two I gave God my eternal life when I was 20 didn't give him this life till I was 31 so again should it be that way I don't know <laughs> I hope not but but the reality is we created an environment and a culture where we can accept Jesus as our savior and never surrender to him as lord of our life and I think that has has happened and then we've created a consumer based model of church where the consumer comes we meet their needs it's a whole felt needs concept of ministry which i did for years with teenagers and they have a felt need like i feel like i need to get back in school i need to get off drugs i need to get out of jail and the theory is you meet their felt need while you introduce them to their real need that they're broken inside they don't know god um, and But the problem was, once you meet their felt need, they don't feel like they need anything. (laughs) And -hmm. I think we've done some of that in the church. We meet people's felt need, their felt need for community, to feel good about themselves, uh, to have their sins forgiven. I mean, there's lots of things we do, and it meets the felt need. And so they feel better. Their life is better. But the real need of being reconciled to God and being surrendered to the lordship of Christ is something that maybe doesn't happen. And I think, again, looking at the times we talked last week, some of the things that are being revealed, I think, demonstrate that indeed that real need maybe hasn't been met. Um, So anyway, I just wanted to jump on just from last week because we really we talked about the covid thing last week, but we really have the trifecta going on. Right. We got the covid. We got the racial injustice and we've got a political environment. And those three things just keep squeezing us tighter and tighter. And so, um, yeah, I think that's really revealing a lot about where we are. And so the consumer-based, you know, church has been around all my life. So that's all I've known and seen. Um, but I think now we're recognizing that that's probably not going to get us where we need to go. It's probably not going to further the kingdom of God. And it may be a, kind of an inaccurate demonstration of who God really is.
0: Yeah, yeah. It seems like we've really kind of developed a a, a temple mentality in a sense I mean, as I've read, you spoke of Tozer right there, and as I've read back and you know, with Andrew Murray or Wesley or Luther, um, going back to the fifteen hundreds, you still have this cry of, of those that are using church as a consumer mindset. It seemed almost at some point that we forgot our heritage and our roots that we are the Gentiles invited into God's family and not the center and, and be all of this. And, um, because we've changed, you know, this idea of, of a consumer mindset, um, why we're perpetuating, uh, kind of this idea of making it hard to surrender, but it's hard to surrender to begin with, uh, you know, and so oh, sure why, well, why, well, what, why would you say it's hard to surrender for us? What, what do you feel like we're afraid of losing? And that's even being more revealed today. Right. Well, bottom
1: line is we don't want to give up control. You know, it's our life and we want to be in charge of it. And we need as much help as we think we need. So, you know, much of, much of relationship with God is a kind of need to know basis. You know, mo- there's a saying you have as much of God as you want. And that's probably true. Right. And when we need more of God, we go to God, we get more. Um, so, yeah, surrender is just, you know, it's not part of our human nature. we just have to be honest about that our human nature outside of christ is very self-centered and until we are um, transformed by christ right then you know galatians 220 it's no longer i who lives but christ who lives in me and until that happens there's a built-in conflict of interest you know there's there's me and there's god (laughs) and unfortunately outside of christ me wants to be in charge so so I think, you know, that's always been at the core of discipleship, right, is, is I deny it. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And that's an intentional act where we say, okay, I am going to choose to deny myself. And again, by the power of the Spirit of God is what sets us free to then follow him. But there's a decision that has to be made. And I think part of the challenge is we don't ask people to make that decision. We don't say, okay, it's great that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now do you want to follow him as a disciple? And I think that's one of our, if you want to say shortcomings, or just it's a missing piece, right? If you don't ask the question, they don't wrestle with it, they don't answer the question, and now you're trying to make someone a disciple that never chose to follow. And it's frustrating to the leader and it's frustrating to the follower because it's not what they signed up for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why do you think it is that we don't ask that question? I mean, even as we're trying to, honestly disciple others but right. we just don't seem to bring that question to the forefront
1: all right well i think it's a hard question to ask you know and i've had the, i've had this conversation where you're sitting down with somebody and say do you really want to deny yourself and follow god right and there's a fear they're going to say no um and but we have to let that happen i guess you know so i so i think it's you know fear is probably an okay word to use you know we're, we're afraid of breaking relationship and you know one of the things with churches it's you know love the pastor love the pastor's heart right but the pastor the shepherd's heart has a hard time maybe calling for the hard question right i think that's why we have a five-fold ministry you read that picture of ephesians it doesn't say okay pastors and teachers you guys take care of all this because you need the others you need the evangelist you need the prophet you need the apostle to the prophet has to ask those questions calls for the questions right um the pastor then kind of consoles and helps the person after they answered the question, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's real. It's legitimate. And so I think, you know, to some degree, we've, you know, we've laid a lot on the pastor and the teacher and have taken away the evangelist and the apostle and the prophet. And so it, it makes it difficult. And so, yeah, it's hard. I've had that honest conversation with pastors where they say, yeah, I, Because my pastor's heart doesn't want to see people leave or fall away or walk away, I maybe don't ask the hard questions that would help them come closer. And so now I think we've created, in many cases, not all, of of course, we're painting with big wide brushes here, so Mm -hmm. please don't nobody be offended, but in many ways we've created this atmosphere where it's okay to just stay out there in the pasture, in the fringes, right, and not really accept the full identity and responsibility of being a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and a vessel of the Holy Spirit to further the kingdom of God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just listening to a, a video this morning where i a priest was talking about just the philosophies that have infiltrated our western thinking at this point and and how the church stands in stark contrast to that by its by the things that jesus said however the witness of that as we talked about in the the first part isn't exactly coming through but a lot of it it seems to be that the hard question you know isn't being called for and there's there is a as i look across the landscape there is a huge loss that i'm seeing where where the church isn't able to step in and where you and I have talked about just this, you, you call it a table pounding moment about what is, what is the Jesus inside of you just dying to do? And, and so I, I kind of step back and just think about urgency or, 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 um, and even with all of us, I think we all feel it as leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, but why, why doesn't there seem to be a sense of urgency? And that seems like not only are we pushing down this idea of surrender, God's calling us to we right. <laughs> and We don't want to be urgent and we want to, you know, hold on to this other, um, you know, whatever it is, this comfort, um, but why does it seem to be no sense of urgency? What would, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, again, I think it's, you know, human condition, so it's not a big mystery. You know, we get urgent about things when it affects us in an urgent way, right? Like we have all kinds of tragedies going on in the world right now, but to whatever degree, they don't affect me it's hard for me to get excited about it or mad about it or willing to do something way beyond my comfort zone. Right. It's like in, in we've said for years, one of the biggest problems is the problems aren't big enough. They don't cause you to be urgent. It's like, yeah, there's X amount of kids commit suicide each year. Yeah. There's 60, 70 homeless folks, you know, but they're not, they're not on my street. It wasn't my kid. And so part of it is, again, does it, is it really impact me? Um, But you know, like, is there, should we be urgent? Yeah. Like one of the things I think is is there's tragedies happening right now, but we're just kind of not aware or we've become so used to them. And I think that's, it's been such a gradual thing. We've become used to it. And so, you know, I talk about one of my messages, there's three tragedies going on right now with the church. And I think one is, first tragedy is people aren't experiencing the fullness of the life Jesus died for, right? They're not experiencing the peace, the joy, and the freedom that Jesus died for. I don't, this so forgive me I think he didn't just die so we can go to heaven when we're dead I think Jesus died rose again so that we could have life with him now yeah people are not experiencing the fullness that That ought to be a tragedy when we look out over a congregation and see folks aren't experiencing that they're living in bondage and fear and all that it's like that's a tragedy we need to do something about that now. And you can pound the table now if you like, because that's the time for it, right? <laughs> like, that's a tragedy, right? The other tragedy that's going on is the church, big wide brush again, in many ways, is so caught up in taking care of the consumer, doing our programs, taking care of our buildings, paying our staff, doing all that, that the church isn't free to really be furthering the mission of Christ. When you think about it, Jesus came to reveal who the Father is, to give glory to the Father, to seek and save the lost with the good news of Christ, to develop disciples who will live in obedience to Christ and continue his mission, to bring life, hope, healing, and freedom to the oppressed and the hungry, to destroy the works of the enemy. Like there's a full time mission, <laughs> mm. right? To transform our world that I believe should be going on. But the church, in many ways, is busy keeping the status quo. That's a tragedy. You know, I've been in this town for close to thirty years now, and when I look around and say, is the has the kingdom of God been furthered in Pialop in the last thirty years? I don't know. Mm. What's better in Pialp in the last thirty years? Like I mean, it seems like thirty two churches in the city limits of Pialp, it seems like the city shouldn't look the same thirty years later something ought to be different. And yeah. I think that's that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that our cities and neighborhoods are not different because a church of 50 people or 300 people or 1,000 people has been in the neighborhood. Something ought to look different. So that's a tragedy. And then the third tragedy is the world isn't confronted with the reality of who God is. They're not confronted with, oh, that's who God is. That's what it looks like to follow God. That's what it looks like to surrender to God. So they're not confronted with even making a choice. Because they don't see anything different. Those people don't seem that different than me. In fact, I think I'm nicer than some of them. (laughs) So they're not confronted with the very thing that God would use to help them, cause them to make a decision, to be confronted with the reality of God. So I think those are tragedies. Individuals aren't experiencing it inside the church. right? We're not about the mission of Christ outside the church, and the world is not confronted with the reality of who God is. So I think those are tragedies. And I think at some level, the Holy spirit's got to just get a hold of us <laughs> and shake us up. It's like, okay, I can't get up today and not do something about that. That would just be the fourth tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That'd be my personal tragedy <laughs> that I'm not going to do nothing about it.
0: Yeah. I, I'm mill I echo those and I'm, I'm so glad you brought them up. And even just I, as I've discipled young men over the past couple of years and some of the questions I've asked are just what's the good news and, they they faithfully can tell me that you know jesus died on the cross and after three days he rose again and ascended to the father and they're able to quote for me um these things but when i look at them and i ask i said well so what does that mean in your life um they really don't have an answer for me and i just had one come to me that's been walking with me for the last three years and he said i have a story to tell of, of freedom of moving from bondage to to freedom and i said yeah that's the gospel—that's the good yeah. news that we get to yeah. share—and um, so for me, it's it's a must that I have that that I want to walk with people through this. But as I look out at the landscape too, how might you, with all with those three tragedies that are sitting there, with the responsibility of Ephesians four that we have, with the fullness of the fivefold ministry, what is our responsibility as leaders? Uh, as those that God has chosen to you know to help lead His flock, how are we to do that? What 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 advice might you have? Well, advice. How wouldn't you paint our responsibility? <laughs> Don't hold any punches, Bill. <laughs> well, I well I I think it really it
1: starts with accepting that responsibility. You know, I mean, because the reality is, if you're responsible for something, you f- will figure it out, right? I'm responsible to pay my house payment, I'll figure out a way to pay it, right? Mm-hmm. If and, and I don't think we've fully accepted responsibility for the role of furthering the mission of Christ and developing disciples, as the scripture says, who will obey all of his teaching. That's what it says. It doesn't say go get them saved and make them comfortable. It says teach them to obey everything I taught you. And I think if we accept that responsibility, then we go about doing it. So I, you know, I know that's not a complicated answer, but it's, it's the core. It's like, it's like when people ask, well, what do I have to surrender? Do I surrender this, 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 this? It's like, no, you surrender, right? <laughs> you, you give up your—it's an act of the will. And I think, I think accepting responsibility is the same thing. It's saying my responsibility as a leader is greater than my personal well-being because that's our default idol is our personal well-being. And it's also the biggest source of the conflict of interest my personal well-being versus the well-being and the furthering of the kingdom of god and i think at some point we have to determine that god and his kingdom is more important than me and my personal well-being um and that's just yeah it's hard yeah it's culturally not required right (laughs) Right? again it's you know we've we've got away with uh, you know a lot for a long time and i think god's graciously, I mean, if you think about it, graciously leading us to a place of brokenness and humility. He's being very gracious about it, I think. I think if he, historically he's done it much harsher. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I see, you know, I mean, at this time God, you know, pulling apart the our cultural understanding of how some of these things should play out and really kind of getting at the heart of, of what this is. If it's... If the scriptures are true, then I really need to let everything go here, and heaven is going to be far more amazing than anything I can think of on this side. So, why not expend myself here for the cause of Christ? Um, wow, Bill, this has been extremely enlightening. Is there anything else that you'd want to share with us today on you know this the why we how, why and how we got here? And, you know. Well, again.
1: At some level, it started way before us. It's gradual. We were born in it. We grew up in it. We didn't devise it. So one of the things I say is we can honestly say the culture has screwed us up, but um, that doesn't give us the right to stay screwed up once we've been made aware. <laughs> so I think, you know, again, we don't, want anybody, we don't need to beat ourselves up over where we've been and how we got here, but we need to wake ourselves up to, okay, what do we do from this point forward? Yeah. And I think when we humble ourselves, you know, the Word of God says when we humble ourselves, He will come and He will help us. I think we just got to get there. So I think that's where I would
0: leave it for, for this session. Yeah. I mean, God God always creates out of chaos. And so I think while there are dire straits for us to be honest about, I think God has beautiful cultivated ground with which to create something new and amazing with. On the last episode of this series, we'll explore some of the ideas around what we're going to do about it um, and, and how we might be able to start moving in the direction that God is calling us. Join Bill and I next time as we discuss how the body of Christ can begin to make its way out of the darkness that we have found ourselves in. Until next time, love hard, pray without ceasing, and never stop expanding his kingdom. Be blessed.